Welcome to the Faith Broadcast. I'm Pastor Carrick Butler. I lead Faith Christian Center here in Austell, Georgia. Pay attention to this message. I believe God is gonna say something to you that is gonna bless your life, change your life, and empower you and equip you to make Jesus famous in your everyday life. Listen up, and we'll talk to you at the end of today's broadcast. So Acts chapter nine, verse 18, where we left off before, Saul the great persecutor, Saul the terrorist of the early church was heading to Damascus to expand his terroristic territory. He was heading to Damascus to bring more Christians bound back to Jerusalem. And he meets Jesus on the way. He is radically converted. The glory is so blinding to him he cannot see for three days. And the Lord sends a disciple by the name of Ananias to pray for him and minister unto him. And as he did that, it says, immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales, and he received sight forthwith and arose and was baptized. So we know he was baptized in water, as we know from what Ananias said. We read by Paul's writings later. He was also baptized in the Holy Ghost with the Bible evidence of speaking other tongues. Now, then we get to verse 19. It says, when he had received meat, he was strengthened. Then was Saul certain days with the disciples, which were at Damascus. And straightway he preached Christ in the synagogues, that, is, that he is the Son of God. But all that heard him were amazed and said, is not this he that destroyed them which called on this name in Jerusalem? And has come here that before that intent that he might bring them bound unto the chief priests. But Saul increased the more in strength and confounded the Jews which dwelt at Damascus, proving that this is very Christ. And after that many days were fulfilled, the Jews took counsel to kill him. Now, the past nine chapters we've covered in the last ten weeks of our series is approximately three to four years in actual time. The nine chapters that we've looked at so far are about three to four years. It's not that long of time since Jesus has risen from the dead. So the early church is three to four years old. Now, the thing is, when you think about that, that's the first nine chapters. That means, well, the whole book of Acts is not that long. You keep reading like that, you're thinking every verse is the next day. But what happens here, if you don't study it out, you'll think that these six verses we're reading is a period of days, maybe a period of months, when it's actually much longer than that. Because something happened between Saul's conversion and the restoring of his sight and him preaching in Damascus. Go to Galatians chapter 1. There was something else that happened that Luke did not include in his inspired narrative. So go to Galatians chapter 1 and see what Paul said in his own words in his writings. Because really Acts chapter 9 verse 18 through about 25 is a period of three years. So the first nine chapters were three to four years. Now you have about five to six verses that cover three years. So look what Paul says in Galatians chapter 1, verse 11. He says, but I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my conversation or my lifestyle in time past in the Jews' religion, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it and profited in the Jews' religion above many my equals in my own nation, being more exceeding zealous of the traditions of my fathers. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the heathen, immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood, Neither went I up to Jerusalem to them which were apostles before me, but I went into Arabia and returned again unto Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter, and I abode with them 15 days. 
So somewhere between Acts 9.19 and Acts 9.20, Saul traveled into Arabia. Now, Arabia at that time applied to a larger area than it even does today. So the air around Damascus, the wilderness and desert around Damascus, was considered Arabia. So Saul could have traveled to a short distance from Damascus, or he could have traveled into a far distance into Arabia. It's not specific where he went into Arabia. We just know he went into the region of Arabia. Now, what happened when he went into Arabia? Go back and look at verse 12 of Galatians 1. For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. So Saul, who became Paul, is saying that I didn't go and learn what I'm preaching and teaching from any person. I didn't learn from Peter. I didn't learn from James. I didn't learn from John. I didn't learn from James, Jesus' brother. I didn't learn from any of these people. Jesus himself taught me. So when Paul went into Arabia, he had personal instruction time with Jesus himself. Now, this is not just something Paul referred to in Galatians chapter 1. In Ephesians 3.3, Paul said, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote a foreign few words. He also said this at 1 Corinthians 11.23, for I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And later on in 1 Corinthians 15.3, says, for I delivered unto you first of all that I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. So Jesus appeared to Saul and personally taught him. So first, Saul sees Jesus in a blinding light and he cannot see anymore. But now that he's saved, now that he's filled with the Holy Ghost, Jesus appears to him again to teach him, to take time and train him. Now, this is not something that is far-fetched when you consider what Jesus did after the resurrection. Because a lot of times we think, okay, Jesus appeared to people and he was, you know, he's like Batman, walked in the room, walked out, people couldn't find him anymore. Now, he did do that, but there are times where he would appear to teach. You see that in Luke chapter 24, verse 44. When he appeared unto his apostles, he said unto them, These are the words which I spake to you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses, and in the prophets, and in the Psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding, that they might understand the Scriptures. And he said, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer, and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. When you look at it right there, you think, okay, Jesus only said a few verses. But he says, thus it is written. Thus he, this is summary. He is summarizing. So Jesus went through the law of Moses. He went through the prophets. And he went through the Psalms and taught his apostles what it actually meant concerning him. So he's teaching them. He says, I've been telling you this for three years. Now let me open your understanding and tell you some more. Let me walk you through all these scriptures. Now he didn't just do it for those 11 remaining apostles, but he also did it to the two disciples walking by the road in Emmaus. When you see this in Luke 24, 17 through 27, and he said unto them, Jesus had appeared unto them. They didn't know it was Jesus. He had hid himself. He says, what manner of communication are you that you have one another, and why you walk, why are you so sad? And one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered and said unto him, are you only a stranger in Jerusalem, and hast not known these things which are come to pass in these days? And he said unto him, what things? 
And they said unto him concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and all rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have him crucified. But we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. And beside all this, today is the third day since these things were done. Yea, and certain women also of our company made us astonished, which were early at the sepulcher. When they found not his body, they came, saying they had a vision of angels, which said that he was alive. And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulcher, that's Peter and John, and found it even so as the women had said, but him they saw not. Then he said unto them, O fools, and slow of heart to believe, all the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So Jesus went back to the law. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and start saying what Moses had to say about him. And then when it talks about all the prophets, it's talking about starting at Samuel. Jesus went from Samuel to Malachi, talking about what it says about the Messiah as they are walking. And so now he's been talking for hours because the sun is setting. Now, they still don't know it's Jesus, but they say, hey, why don't you stay the night and eat and then go your way the next morning? It's part of the hospitality of that culture. And then as they did, he broke the bread and prayed, and they realized, wait a minute, this is Jesus. And as soon as they realized it was Jesus, he disappeared. And then they says, didn't our hearts burn within us when he opened the Scriptures to us? And instead of sleeping the night, they rose up, and they went to the apostles. We saw him too. What Peter and John said is true. What the women said are true. We saw him, and he explained everything. So this is one of Jesus' M.O. right after the resurrection. And so when Saul gets saved, he's giving him the same instruction. All of these scriptures you've learned all your life as a Pharisee, all these things you've memorized were actually about me. Because up until a few days ago, Saul thought Jesus was dead. He fully believed Jesus was dead. He fully believed the apostles were liars and crooks and everything. And he did not expect to meet Jesus on the road to Damascus. But now that he did, and now that he called Jesus Lord, now that he's saved, Jesus begins to instruct him in the same way. But now he's not just instructing him concerning what it says about him. When he keeps reading Paul's mysteries, Paul's writings, he talks about the mystery, the mystery of the church, the mystery of Christ, the mystery of Christ in us, the hope and glory. Jesus starts talking to him about these things as well. The revelation concerning the Gentiles and the Jews coming together as one in the church. Jesus teaching him these things. And so when he goes and preaches these things, these aren't things he's saying in Galatians 1, I learned from Peter or John or James or any of the other apostles. Nobody taught me. I didn't go to anybody's school. Jesus himself taught me these things. So this is what's happening in these few verses. That how long was he in Arabia? We don't know. We know he was there for less than three years. So he could have been in Arabia for a few weeks, up to a couple of years. But in this time, Jesus is teaching him. And whenever Jesus' personal instruction is done, Saul goes back into Damascus. So let's go back to Acts 9. Then was Saul certain days with the disciples which were at Damascus, and straightway, that word straightway can mean immediately, but it can also mean soon. So soon after these things, he preached or proclaimed or acted as a herald, Christ, in the synagogues, that he is the Son of God. So he began to preach, 
Jesus is the Son of God. He began to proclaim Jesus is the Son of God. He began to act like a herald. Jesus, this is what his message is, Jesus is the Son of God. Now, the thing is, look at what the beginning of his ministry produced. But all that heard him were amazed. They were astonished. They were all said, is this not he that destroyed them, which called on his name in Jerusalem and came here for that intent, that he might bring them bound unto the chief priest? So, did anybody get saved? No. Did anybody believe? No. They just went, man, what happened to this dude? Wasn't it just a couple weeks ago, a couple years ago, that he was trying to kill everybody who believed this? But now he's standing here, just all he's saying is Jesus is the Son of God, and that's what he's preaching, that's what he's proclaiming. So they're amazed, they're astonished. No one believes. But notice what happens. But Saul increased the more in strength. So he got stronger and stronger and stronger every day. And then what happened after he got stronger? And confounded the Jews which dwelt at Damascus, proving that he, this is the very Christ. So Saul preaching at the very beginning caused people to be amazed, and they wondered what happened to him. But as Saul grew stronger, his ministry advanced to confounding the Jewish leaders, which is he was proving that they were wrong, and proving, teaching, and showing that Jesus is the Messiah. So now his ministry has increased. Now people are just wondering, huh, why is he saying these things? Now he is through teaching and through showing everything the Jewish leaders have told you about Jesus is wrong. And then he begins to prove and show how Jesus is the Messiah. What is he doing? He's going through all the Scriptures, from Genesis to Malachi. That's all the Scriptures they had at that time. So showing how Jesus is the Messiah, proving to them without a shadow of a doubt that Jesus is alive. And Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is who he said he is. This is what Saul is doing now, and nobody can stop him. Nobody can out-reason him. Nobody can out-talk him. He's, won, he's winning every single argument. He's winning every single debate, and he's proving all his enemies wrong. So what do they decide to do? Verse 23, and after that, many days were fulfilled. Remember, this is about three years. The Jews took counsel to kill him. But their laying await or their trap they were planning was made known unto Saul, and they watched the gates day and night to kill him, because the way he had to get out of the city is coming through the city gates. So they're watching the gates for Saul to leave so they can jump him, so they can kill him, and be done with this man who they can't stop. So this is Saul's early ministry where they knew, okay, he is a problem. We thought these original dudes were a problem, but this man, the one who used to be the chief persecutor, now is one of the chief preachers, we need to stop him. But the disciples took him by night and let him down the wall in a basket. So while it was night, when people weren't looking, they went to the side of the wall, put him in this giant basket, and lowered him down to the, off the wall, and then Saul escaped. Now, where did he go? He went up to Jerusalem. Remember, this is where he came from originally, about three years ago. So it makes sense he doesn't go to Jerusalem. But he's a different man. He left the persecutor, now he's a preacher. But not everybody knows that. He is saved to join himself to the disciples, but they were all afraid of him and believed not that he was a disciple. This was the same man who was busted into the house three years ago. They knew what he looked like because he was busted into the house, arresting their family members, putting them in jail, and he, had, he was in charge when Stephen was killed. They knew what he looked like. They did not believe he's a Christian. So he said, yeah, I believe Jesus is the Messiah. He was like, yeah, you're a liar. 
How many of you would want to have anything to do with them? How many of you believe that all of a sudden the same person was throwing your family members in jail and trying to kill your friends at church, killed your favorite deacon? Like, man, I used to see him at every time. I, I went to a small group with him. Man, he was my small group leader. Oh, he served me food at lunch, and he killed him. How many of you are like, I want to hang out with him? How many of you believe that he actually got saved? Some of you would like, yeah, come a little bit closer, Saul. Close the door, Peter. Turn around. None of them believed Saul was saved. They were all afraid of him and stayed away from him. But Barnabas, thank God for Barnabas. Although Barnabas is like a second-level character in the book of Acts and the story of the New Testament, he is one of the most important second-level characters you ever hear about. Because without him, we wouldn't have two-thirds of the New, more than two-thirds of the New Testament. Because Barnabas not only got people to say, yes, Saul actually is saved, not only later does he connect him to the ministry in Antioch and helps Paul get to the point where Paul writes two-thirds of the New Testament, but also Barnabas' nephew, who he encouraged and trained, and who became Peter's secretary, was one of the ones who was helping write first and second Peter. So Peter would dictate it, and Mark would take it down, and he wrote the Gospel of Mark. Without Barnabas... God used Barnabas as a role to help 1 Peter, 2 Peter, the Gospel of Mark, and all of Paul's epistles come into being. Barnabas is an important person in the story. And he was known, Barnabas was his nickname. So when you say Barnabas, it means Mr. Encouragement. And so remember, Mr. Encouragement hasn't been seen for a couple chapters, so it's been a few years since we've heard from him. And so when Saul gets to Jerusalem, nobody believes that's all saved. But Mr. Encouragement does. Of course he does. So Mr. Encouragement goes and gets Saul and brings him to the apostles. Now, Mr. Encouragement has a great reputation with the apostles. They know Mr. Encouragement is a man of God and a big giver. And so if Barnabas begins to say something, they will listen. And as we read in Galatians 1, well, what apostles did he see? He saw Peter, and he saw James, Jesus' little brother. So he brought him to the apostles and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way, and that he had spoken to him, and how he preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. Well, was Mr. Encouragement successful in his encouragement? And he saw was with them coming in and going out of Jerusalem. So they convinced him. So Saul stayed with the whole group. Wherever they went, Saul was there. Now, how well did Barnabas encourage everybody? Saul stayed at Peter's house for 15 days. Could you imagine the conversations Peter and Saul were having? Wouldn't you like to be a fly on that wall? Because, you know, Peter's talking about the three years he walked with Jesus. He's talking about the day of Pentecost. He's talking about all these different things. And Saul's like, yeah, yeah, you know, Jesus, what Jesus told me when he appeared to me in Arabia. And yeah, 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 and da, 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 da. Imagine the conversations that are going on as their roommate for 15 days. And so Saul is in Jerusalem, fellowshipping with all the believers there. And he get to verse 29, and he spake boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus and disputed, the word means to investigate jointly, to reason together and discuss. So he wasn't just debating. He would call a group, get a group of them together and he will discuss. He says, let's look at this together. Let's investigate this together. Let's reason together. And he kept proving. Remember, his ministry got to proving now. 
They could not disprove what he was saying. He was proving in every conversation, in every message, in every debate with them, Jesus is the Messiah. And he disputed against the Grecians, but they went about to kill him. Which when the brother knew, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him forth to Tarsus. Then had the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria and were edified. Now let's pause there. Then the churches had rest. Remember, at the beginning of chapter 9, it was a time of great persecution. A great persecution, as we see here, lasted for about a couple years. Now, Saul was at the head of the persecution. Doesn't mean he was the only one doing the persecuting. He was just the one in charge. So there were others persecuting. But by the time Saul leaves and goes to Tarsus, the persecution is over. The persecution that had scattered these disciples all over is done with. And so what is it? They said the churches had rest. The word rest means peace, prosperity, and quietness. The churches had peace, prosperity, and quietness. You got to think, well, why is prosperity important to this? Because if they're running for their lives, if they're being thrown in jail, if they're being chased away from their livelihoods, there has been some financial suffering among some of them, but not anymore. Some of them were living, fearing from day to day that Saul or someone else may break through their house. Now there's peace. Now there's quietness. Now there's tranquility. Now there's rest. In all Judea and Galilee and in Samaria. Now why is Samaria important? Remember, Philip went down there and had this amazing awakening. Entire cities turn to Jesus. When Peter and John went to got that city filled with the Holy Ghost, they preached in every Samaritan city on the way back up. So now there's many believers in many churches all throughout Samaria. And although they weren't part of the persecution, they are experiencing the same peace, the same prosperity, the same quietness, the same rest, the same tranquility. And if that was enough, they were edified. They were built up. This word Edified is like someone who's constructing a building. So it's like the Holy Ghost added another layer to their Christianity. So if they had 10 floors, now they got 15 floors. It also means emboldened, so now they're bolder. Wouldn't you be bolder if the chief enemy becomes a preacher? What wouldn't you think your Jesus could do? Because he had this persecution where people were dying, people were being thrown in jail, and all of a sudden the person who was in charge is now endorsed by Mr. Encouragement? that he actually is saved, and he's on your side, you got some boldness now. Everybody in the city knows that Saul is now with these people, the members of what they call the way. The churches are bold now. The churches are prospering now. The churches are at peace now. The churches are at rest now. The churches are in quietness now. They're built up. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost. Now, walking means living. So, they lived in the fear of the Lord. What does that mean? The reverential awe of the Lord. They're in awe. Saul got saved. They are in awe. Because even remember, even during the time of persecution, there are miracles, signs, and wonders going on. It never said it stopped. So now there's miracles, signs, and wonders. The people who are against them got saved because even in chapter 6, many of the priests started following Jesus. 
They are in awe with what God is doing. They worship Him every day, just amazed at God. This is how they're living. This is now, okay, every time they go to church, they're in awe of God. They are living every day in awe of God, understanding at the very root that our God is an awesome God. And in the comfort of the Holy Ghost. That word comfort means encouragement. So not only are they living in the awe of God every day, they're being encouraged by the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is encouraging them. The Holy Ghost is strengthening them. The Holy Ghost is empowering them. So in a time where Satan had bursted out to destroy them, now the Holy Ghost is just building them up. And what is the result of the encouragement of the Holy Ghost? Them living in the reverential awe of God, them being built up and emboldened, them experiencing peace, prosperity, and quietness and tranquility. The churches multiplied. Now, why was that important? This is one of the greatest faith expansions the early church has seen yet. This is year six, year seven. In chapter two and chapter five, it says the Lord added to the church daily such as to be saved. Now, near the end of chapter nine, they are multiplying. All the churches, Judea, Samaria, Galilee, these are multiple churches, multiple groups. So let's say in every church there was 20 people. Now in every church there's at least 40 people. This is a great faith expansion. And no, it's not with just 20 people because remember, Acts chapter 2, 3,000 got saved. Later on, 5,000 got saved. So you're already in the thousands. And then a great number of the priests and people getting saved every day. So the thousands upon thousands are now multiplying. People are turning to Jesus. This is a great revival summed up. And so when we understand this, Saul sent away. Saul won't come back into the picture for a few more chapters. We're still in the early part of the book of Acts where the main character is still Peter. And so now that all these people are getting saved, there's these new converts, new believers everywhere. Peter is one of the leaders. Peter and James are the, Peter and James, Jesus' little brother, are the leaders. James becomes the pastor of the early church in Jerusalem. But Peter is still one of the leaders. And so if you have all these people who just got saved, what should you do if you're Peter? Well, let's go see them. So you look at the next verse. And it came to pass as Peter passed through all quarters. What quarters? Judea, Galilee, and Samaria. He came down also to the saints who had dwelt at Lydda. So he's going around preaching, teaching, visiting all the churches, seeing all the new converts, encouraging them. And there he found a certain man named Aeneas, which had kept his bed eight years. So he had been sick in bed for eight years, sick of the palsy, partially paralyzed or fully paralyzed in different places of his body. And Peter said unto him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ makes you whole. Get up and make your bed. You haven't been able to make your bed for eight years. Now get up and make it. And he arose immediately. And all that dwelt at Lydda and Saron, another city, saw him, saw Aeneas walking around, and turned to the Lord. Wait a minute, wait, wait. We just had church multiplication. 
And Peter is going around to all these churches that have just multiplied. Now he shows up in one city and one miracle is performed and two cities turn to God. Two entire cities. This church, early church, is exploding in growth. This is not just recovery after Satan has messed up. It's not just restoration. It's restoration and then some. And it's not even done with Peter's missionary trip right here. Now, there was at Joppa a certain disciple named Tabitha, which by his interpretation is called Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and alms deeds, which she did. Full of good works. So she didn't do good work every once in a while at holiday seasons because, you know, everybody feels good about doing good things at Christmas. This is her lifestyle. Do good works. This is what she did all the time. Just good works after good works after good works. Kept giving to the poor on a regular basis. This is what she was known for. And it came to pass in those days that she was sick and died, whom when they washed, they laid her in the upper chamber. And for as much as little was nigh to Joppa, the disciples had heard that Peter was there. And they sent unto him two men desiring that he would not delay to come to them. Then Peter arose and went with them. And when he was come, they brought him into the upper chamber. And all the widows stood by him weeping and showing the coats and the garments which Dorcas made while she was with them. So apparently what Dorcas did when there were widows, since they didn't have the husbands to take care of them or someone to look out for them, she would make them clothes. She would make them jackets. So depending on the weather, she would take care of them. She made sure that all these widows were taken care of. And apparently these weren't a few garments and a few jackets if they were all just showing everything. This is their memorial to Dorcas. But what did Peter do? He kicked them all out. Could you imagine, like, Dorcas, she made this for me. And it, it was so wonderful. She was so sweet and loving and kind. And Peter's like, oh, that's nice. Get out. <laughs> Remember, Peter kind of had a mouth on him, too. So maybe Peter has picked up some grace by this point. Maybe not. He put them all forth. Why? Who did he learn that from? Jesus. Jesus walked in, and they're doing much to do. And he says, hey, this little girl, not that she's just sleeping. And they began to laugh. Because some of the people there were professional mourners. And that day, they had professional mourners. That if someone died, they had the comforting crew that would come and cry with everybody. That's what their profession was. And so, of course, they weren't really sad, but they said, Jesus is like, oh, she's asleep, and they laughed. So Jesus kicked them all out. It wasn't even Jesus' house. He walked in someone else's house and says, all y'all, get out. Mama and Dada, you can stay. Peter, James, John, you can stay. Even the rest of my disciples, get out. You hold the crowd. Make sure no one else comes in. So he's just doing what Jesus taught him to do. Because in all this crying, there is no faith. There is just unbelief and sorrow. So he got the unbelief out of his house. But Peter put them all forth and kneeled down and prayed. So now that all the unbelief was out the room, now he's going to pray, okay, Jesus, what are we going to do here? And so as he's praying, apparently he gets an answer from God. Because then he turns to the body and says, Tabitha, get up. And she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up. Because Jesus returned to her body. He's like, oh, wait a minute, that's Peter. And he gave her his hand and lifted her up. And when he called the saints and widows, he presented her 
alive. And it was known throughout all Joppa. And many believed in the Lord. So this is another city. Not the whole city turns, but many people in that city believe. These are verses that are talking about a faith expansion beyond what the early church had seen so far. These are thousands upon thousands, maybe tens of thousands of people coming to Jesus in a rapid way. And it came to pass that he tarried many days in Joppa with one Simon the Tanner. So he's staying. All these people got saved. Someone's got to raise them up. Someone's got to teach them. Someone's got to install pastors. So he's just staying there, enjoying the good things that God did. He's staying at a house and, you know, probably is a believer and they're taking care of him. So they're making lunch. And then the Holy Ghost does something that changes the church forever. But we'll get into that next time. Thanks for watching the Faith Broadcast today. We hope you enjoyed the message. We'd love to hear from you. So if you're watching us, you can follow us on social media. Our social media handles on Twitter and Instagram is at WeAreFaithATL. You can also go to our website at FCCJ.com. Follow us on social media. Follow us on our YouTube channel. Contact us online. We'd love to hear from you. Have a wonderful day.